Welcome to the Raptor Show on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Hey, guess what, Alex? We're back on YouTube. We're back on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday between 2 and 3 p.m. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined by producer and co-host, Alex Wong. After a, a great weekend, um, no real Raptors news to talk about. Let's be real. Uh, we're going to talk mostly like playoff basketball. Yeah. And uh, some very um, lopsided Game 7s took place on Sunday. Some really, really good uh, Game 6s took place on uh, Friday. But uh, first, the most important thing, we played poker on the weekend. Yes, that is right. Welcome to the Raptors show in name only. We did play poker. On Saturday, saw you twice this weekend, so I think we're actually friends now. Yeah, hung out on Friday, right. hung out on Saturday. Ennis Esmer, friend of the program, hosted a poker game. I hope we're still friends because I, d- I did feel like I bullied, you know, Ennis at certain points. So. Oh yeah, yeah, no, you're all good. It's, it's all table talk. Yeah, and no, we had a great time. You know, lots of people there: Freddie, Catherine, Chris. Shouts to my guy Tom Henry, our guy Wes. It was a great game. I didn't realize that we were Joe the le- We were the least famous people there. Yeah, yeah. Everybody should go check out. Uh, you know, we had a chance to meet because, you know, Ennis is is in the actor world. He knows a lot of comedians. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, Tom, I found out that Tom Henry has a has, has his own stand-up special on Crave cool. called 66 Jokes. I actually went home. So we played until 3, went home, and at 4 in the morning, I watched the special. You said great. I want to hang out with him some more? <laughs> yeah. So you show, saw this guy in real life for like seven hours. Guy, he was, he Tom was Henry. Devastated. TH. Are you on tilt? Because, you know... You you lost one hundred and fifty dollars. Oh, we're allowed to say That's we're allowed to money, say man. the denominations, right? Yeah, it's the lowest stakes game I've ever played. It was chasing every flush. It was a tough run. It was a tough run. Yeah, but you're good though. Yeah, I know Sportsnet's taking care of you. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Anyways, on to basketball. So where oh, should we what? start? We're not going to talk about Liverpool. All right, fine. Oh, what happened with Liverpool? Oh, they they won the FA Cup. That's right. Yeah. Congratulations. That's right. The quad is still on. Yeah, I saw LeBron. Two out of four. Uh, yeah, I saw LeBron James tweet a lot about Liverpool. Yeah. On Saturday. Yeah, I was... Do you think he watched the whole game? He probably watched this one. It was honestly a bit of a bad watch. Yeah, but I think he actually watched this one. I hope so. Or I mean, it was Rich, on in the yeah. daytime. It was on Sportsnet. Um, 11.45. The game ended, I think, around 3 p.m. Because they played 120 scoreless minutes, and then they went to the, the penalty kicks. and Yeah. Just like in the Carabao Cup final, um, you know, Liverpool was able to emerge victorious. Shout out to the Greek scouser. Hmm. You know Allison's, Allison's header, though? I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyways. Okay. All right. That was last year. But oh, uh, it, okay. was a, it was an all-time moment. Anyway, yeah. a great weekend for Liverpool because uh, not only did they win the FA Cup, but Manchester City dropped two points, drawing away at uh, West Ham. Emotional. Yeah. Goodbye for longtime captain Mark Noble. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, you've completely you've completely alienated me um, <laughs> and so. the rest of the audience. Which uh, again, welcome back. to <laughs> Which the is YouTubers. why I will not be here tomorrow. Blake Murphy will be returning. Blake right. Murphy Tuesday. One hundred percent ball talk on that. So one hundred percent, one hundred percent ball talk today too. Yeah, it was. It was a. I don't know if I would call it a great weekend of basketball. I was really excited yesterday for the two game sevens. Mm, yeah, and they ended up being two blowouts. So where do you want to start? You want to start in Boston or you want to start in Phoenix? I start in Boston. So let's start in Boston. Game seven, Giannis comes out in the first quarter, scores or assisted on the first 24 points yeah. of the Bucks, And the Bucks are looking good early. Mm-hmm. They chose a strategy of leaving certain guys, specifically Grant Williams, open. And Grant Williams was bricking a lot of threes, and it looked like, okay, maybe the Bucks are going to win their third row game of this series. And then to me, it just seemed like 
Giannis ran out of gas. And once Giannis ran out of gas, the Bucks just did not have anyone in the supporting cast outside of Brooke Lopez early on who did anything. I mean, Drew Holiday had a decent game, but like yeah. they just didn't have enough guys in the end. And that was it. Yeah, no, I think that's a big takeaway from that series. I think the other thing too is just like, you know, tactically, it was real interesting because that's the kind of strategy uh, Milwaukee opened up the series with. Remember game one, they had thoroughly outplayed Boston in that one, really took away the paint, forced a lot of guys um, to shoot from the perimeter on situations they weren't comfortable with. Uh, they were limiting the way Tatum and Brown were able to get into the paint because of the fact that they had Brooke Lopez just like always in the paint. Um, and then over the course of this series, they started moving towards other things like switching a lot of more actions. You know, they were, um, you know, more focused, I guess, on taking away the three-point line at certain points in the series. However, when you do that, if you're going to switch, you're probably going to leave a lot of bad matchups for guys like Tatum and Brown, but Tatum especially to attack. And so when Tatum went off for damn near 50 in game six, out-dueling Giannis, um, on Friday and forcing the game seven back home, then I was really curious to see what the Bucks were going to go with. Are you going to go with the switching strategy and let the teams play more one-on-one and let stars cook you? Or are you going to sort of go back to um, giving guys shots? And they kind of went back to that. And of course, the, the classic example was Grant Williams hitting seven threes, taking 18 threes. <laughs> yeah. 18 threes, man. That's an incredible amount. You have to salute a guy because look, he was open like probably 30 times. Mm-hmm. So he ended up taking like 18 shots from deep. Uh, obviously made seven. That was huge. But um, yeah, honestly, Boston was um, was just a very, very clinical team. Like um, I know that my original prediction was Boston in seven at times in the series. It wasn't looking good considering the fact that they had lost uh, game one and then they were down 3-2. And obviously that was game five was just such an incredible ending with, with Milwaukee just taking away from them at the end. But for them to respond like that, I mean, I, I hate to say this, and I said it earlier um, on a few weeks ago, but like the Celtics are a model that like the not, that the Raptors should try to build towards, which is very nasty to say because I'm very much a Celtics hater, but they have a lot of good things going on there. Um, and when you look at the construct of that team, it, it's very similar to the way or the idea that the Raptors build towards because that is also wings pretty much only. Um, lots of size, lots of switching, really good coaching. And, you know, when you look across, like, the four conference finalists, like, that's that's the model that works. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I was talking to Faisal a little bit about this last week, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I see the Boston model as well. And the way I take away from the Boston model is you need you need to exercise a lot of patience once you, you know, believe in your core players. Yeah, because yeah. you think about, like, the Jason the, the Jason Tatum and, J, and Jalen Brown, like, dude, I think this is, like, their third conference finals now. That they've made because yeah. they made it 2017, 2018. Actually, this is the fourth, right? Might either third or fourth. Like they've just been really successful knocking on the door, but they've also had some setbacks, right? 2017, like, I think, was still Isaiah Thomas at that point. Hmm, that team. Okay. So I think Jalen Brown might have been a rookie, I want to say, that season, but it wasn't yeah. the two of them. But, anyways, like they've had this like run of success, but we've also seen like the Kyrie Irving experiment not work. Yep. We've seen them bring in like, different guys. Yeah, Gordon Hayward was there, right? Yep. Al Horford left and came back. Mm-hmm. Even like this offseason, they picked up like Dennis Schroeder and they realized that didn't work. Yeah. So they got rid of that. They brought in, you know, guys. They brought back Daniel Tice, brought in Derek White. So there's just a lot of ups and downs for, you know, core guys to go through, especially when they're at that age. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you're looking at the Raptors, you know, you're looking at Scotty. I think you throw OG in there because of their age, right? Maybe, you know, I, you know, I throw Precious in there now too as well based okay, on how he played yeah. this season. Gary, we don't know if he's going to be here long term, but like 
starting with Scotty, like even though they won 48 games this year and they made the playoffs, like for me, like you got to zoom out and look at it as like three to five years of how this team's going to develop, the Raptors. Like it's not all going to happen yeah. at once is all I'm saying. I mean, it, it, was it intentional that you didn't say Pascal or Fred? Well, I just left them out just because they're like a bit older. So like, yeah. if you think about Pascal and Fred, I'm not saying they're not going to be on the team, but where's Pascal and Fred going to be in like, say three to four years when Scotty is, you would hope, hitting his prime? I mean, they're going to be 30. They're going to be like dead, right. dead on in the But prime, I think we have yeah. to accept too, like there's going to be turnover on this Raptors roster if sure, you're looking yeah. at the next five years, right? Yeah. Um, but I mean, look, I think ultimately like the... The Celtics are an example of like, um, of, unfortunately to say this, but really good drafting, um, and also at certain times pretty good trades to complement that. But like the uh, the core of it, they drafted Tatum, they drafted Brown, they drafted Marcus Smart. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of high picks to do so, uh, and, and now some of that was obviously because of great trades involving Brooklyn or great trades involving Philadelphia. Still can't believe um, they traded Fultz. They got an extra first round. Got an from extra that, right? first round pick. So that they can get Tatum instead. Just imagine Tatum and Joel Embiid together. And I guess Simmons was also on that team already. So, Man. I know. <laughs> and by the way, speaking of Philly, I was thinking about yeah. this too. And I know we both hate to give credit to the Celtics. I think we're pretty obvious about that. Yeah, yeah. We don't like the Celtics. But, you know, congrats to them. Another team, i.e. the Sixers, would not have been able to bounce back from losing that game five at home the yeah. way that they did. Yeah. And for Boston to do that, obviously it took a great individual performance from Tatum in game six to on the win road that game too, on the man. road, right? Yeah. And you, you talk about the role players like Grant Williams stepping up in game seven. Like, that takes a lot. Like, that shows a lot to me mm-hmm. because yeah. most teams after that game five, like, that's it. That's yeah. the season. Well, I mean, that's one of the things that, like, it's harder for people to quantify, but when you watch them and the impression that you get, like, it is a tougher Celtics team than in years past. And I think I think maybe even Yudoka as the head coach brought it, being brought in, has done a great job in terms of just changing the mentality in addition to the, to the tactics. But, you know, um, that is a huge part of it. And, you know, honestly, like, um, when you look at Milwaukee, like, do you think that it was just because Chris Middleton wasn't there, therefore they couldn't have enough firepower? Like, if Chris Middleton was in the series, do you think they would win? Yeah, but I think it's two things. So, number one, yes. I, I do believe if Chris was there healthy, they would have won. Because Giannis right. was that good. Like, I think Giannis was... I mean, he had the first 40-point, 20-rebound game since Shaq mm-hmm. in game six, right? Yeah. And it wasn't good enough. Yeah. And even yesterday, like, he didn't get any help, right? Like, like once he ran out of gas, there was nobody to support him. So, I think within the context of this seven-game series, I really think Giannis played good enough. That if Chris was there, they would have won. But, but what I think about the but, supporting guys. Yes, though? but I think it's also true that regardless of that, though, when you look at the roster going forward, it's not a really good roster. No. And 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 you were mentioning too before the show when we were chatting, like there's not a lot they can do well, to maneuver. Right? No, I mean the, their like championship winning piece was um, going in for Drew Holiday, and they they exhausted most of their assets for that, and they won a title. Like there's not somebody on that Bucks roster that you can trade that doesn't factor into their winning right now but that will be appealing enough to get back a piece that would factor into their winning in the future yeah and, know, their, like, and their wings killed them like their wings were terrible like grace and allen yeah, yeah. west and, matthews and that's where like look if you have chris middleton I, I think you you would obviously that's like 35 minutes of reliable two-way wing production there maybe more one way than two-way but you know he's he's at least an average defender average to good i would say um yeah but i mean at the same time like 
It's really interesting because if you just zoom out and look at the four finalists, right? And, and a couple of things are, are standing out to me between the fact that, number one, there's no super team. Mm-hmm. There's no super team in the NBA, which I think it's really enjoyable to watch. Like um, the fact that we have so many, so much turnover year after year. Like what 2018 the Cavs were in, were the the representatives of the East, right? Um, you look at 2019, it was the Raptors who won the East. Uh, 2020 was Miami, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Milwaukee last, last year. Last year was Milwaukee, yep. and now it's going to be Boston or Miami. Like if Boston mm-hmm. ends up making it, like into the finals, like that's five years in a row where there's been different teams going to um, the championship. And I think that's, first off, like, it's it's no longer like LeBron's going to win the, the East 10 years in a row or eight years in a row, right? Uh, you're not going to see Golden State making it year after year and crushing teams along the way. Like, the, the fact that there is this this mix, I think it really does create a situation where a lot of teams can feel reasonably in the hunt for a championship. Like, if you're the Clippers watching this from home, I mean, they, they technically didn't even make the playoffs considering that, you know, they, they got bounced out of the play-in scenario. They probably feel like if they got healthy, they they could realistically win the championship, and I don't even think they're wrong about that, right? So there's the parity in the league, which I think is really interesting. And I think the other thing too is just like when you look at the four teams, three of the teams in Boston, in in Dallas, and in Golden State are all like organically built drafted teams. Like Boston drafted like most of the pieces on that that rotation, even guys coming off the bench like Grant Williams, or I guess he was starting, but like Grant Williams, you know, Robert Williams. Even Peyton Pritchard, like these guys were all drafted pieces for them, right? Um, you look at Dallas, and they drafted Luca. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a draft day trade, and they had to make that f- the swap. But like, they drafted Luca, and you look at Golden State. That's like the model for a team that all those guys—Draymond, Clay, Steph, Jordan Poole—like all drafted. They built their, their team up in that way. Free agency does factor into it, um, and I think Miami is probably the one quote unquote free agency team. Mm-hmm. Where they signed Jimmy off for agency, they signed Kyle off for agency, but they did a lot of great drafting as well. You I mean, even Bam, Bam, Tyler Hero, yeah, even picking guys like Struess, yeah, Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson. Like, I, I do like, like this era. I like this era yeah. a lot with what you're saying. Because, There's an actual path. Like it's actually yeah. really nice. I mean, it's, it gives it, me hope as a Raptor fan because, like, I know the Raptors aren't at that level yet, but it's yeah. no longer just like the team has to be so 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 good mm-hmm. because of the fact that every th- every three four years a team's just going to clear up all their cap space and sign all the best players yep. and all of a sudden become a champion. Like there was no shortcut to any of these teams. Yeah, I, I think for team building to matter more is mm-hmm. probably encouraging for Raptors fans. And I think it's just more fun. Like you look at, like, you know, now there's a challenge in Brooklyn to build around Kevin Durant. Yeah. You know, now there's a challenge in Milwaukee. Like, how are you going to remake this roster so you can take advantage of Giannis's prime? Because he's too good of a player mm-hmm. that like you should be competing for championships for like the next five years. And you look at Philly as well, right? Like, what are they going to do around Joel Embiid yeah. and James Harden? So, no, I'm with you. I think I think this is like, this is a really exciting era. Like for me, like, because yeah. people always argue like, oh, people will say like, oh, it's better when you have that one super team that everyone's gunning. Like when Katie was on the Warriors, they're like, oh, you always need that one team. Sure. And okay. I don't, I don't really agree with that. I like, the, I like watching the basketball more now, especially because it's just more meaningful knowing that all these teams really have a legitimate shot at a championship. Yeah. And I think even just in terms of the payoff as a fan, look, listen, any championship is going to feel great for every fan. Right. But I think it feels so much more different when you have an attachment to some of the guys and you've seen them mm-hmm. go through a process. Like uh, the example here in Toronto is Kyle Lowry. Like the fact that mm-hmm. Kyle was here with the Raptors through all those struggles, through some of those devastating playoff losses, and then to finally see him win, that's the act. That's just the added sweetness on top of the fact that the Raptors were named champions, right? Like, like you can get to go, you get to go through that process now with um, 
if Boston ends up winning at all. I think Celtics fans will feel very, very good about the fact that they've invested all this time into these these players and they've grown up and they've they've hit the challenge and, and whatever. Like Luca's kind of the same deal. The Warriors have already had that feeling. The Bucks have already had that feeling. It's really fun to watch. Um and and I think the other part too is just like the the nature of free agency nowadays is like, okay, yeah, so you still need stars. There's no matter what, right? Obviously you can draft them, trade them, you can sign them, right? But so so often now when you're making the moves to acquire these stars, it's also like, what is the cost? Because when you just draft a star, there's almost no cost. There, I guess there's like opportunity cost and you don't draft someone else, but like there's no cost. You didn't have to give up a player on your team to, to get that player. They just come on your team. Frequency usually got to clear some cap. So there's usually some cost, but whatever. That's, that's less of a cost. Trading for stars is just the part that to me is like, you're exhausting everything you have. And when you're looking at these these teams, not only are they like star led, like every single team has a marketable big name star, but it's also about the supporting cast. Miami's a deep team. Dallas. Tobias Harris over me. Yeah, like you know, trading for Tobias Harris was uh, was a choice, and now Philadelphia is like stuck. They don't have a lot of moves. Trading for Tobias Harris was a choice. Resigning him also a choice. Yeah. You know, and honestly, he was actually not bad. But, you know. No, um, there's this great tweet that's like, uh, uh, someone said, when you need 17 or 18 points, Tobias will give you 17 or 18. Yeah. When you need 25, Tobias will give you 17 or 18. <laughs> which I think, yeah, which right. I think explains a lot of players in that, like, Tobias yes. Harris tier. Yes, which is why you don't pay them the max because you're going to, you know, misallocate your, your salary cap. Like, but when you're looking at, like, the the Dallas's of the world, they got, they got real depth on their roster. The way um, Golden State went, you know, kind of tanked for a little while and sort of had to reset their roster. They were able to, you know, um, rebuild their supporting cast mm-hmm. around their central three guys. And even Boston is really deep as well. So you need that supporting cast. And that's the part where if you don't draft well, if you don't develop well, like you're never going to, it's going to be very, very hard to just like sign guys and win a championship. That that old model of like, that the old like Heatles model of you sign three guys in free agency and then you sign the rest of them are just like minimum salary guys. Like that's so much harder to win nowadays, especially c- considering just the way teams are scheme and plan for you. You really need these supporting guys to step up because I don't think Boston overcomes Milwaukee without Grant Williams doing what he did, without Al Horford doing what he did at certain parts of the series. Um, you look at Dallas, what they did last night, Spencer Dinwiddie just mm-hmm. exploding. Yeah, his, his 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 crypto account went to zero, and Bobby Marks mentioned after the game that he earned a 500k bonus for making the conference finals. So all the jokes about him balling out because yeah, he was playing for his crypto, life, he was playing for his life, and he came through. So in a way, Spencer Dinwiddie might be a top ten most clutch player in NBA history. But I get what you're saying, and I think yeah. the critical point for the Raptors when you talk about that is the next big question for them is who are you building around, right? Yeah, Scotty's yeah. obviously there, but they got to make a decision on like who are you building because you talk about the team building, it has to be centered around who you think is going to be there long term, right? Yeah. Like you build That's a team right. around Giannis, yeah. you build a team around Steph, you build a team around KD. So who are the guys that you're building around? I, you know, I think you're building it, around Pascal right now. Okay. Personally. Okay. I think you're building around Pascal and you're building around Scotty. Yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. I would say Scotty and Pascal. Yeah. Um, and and that puts you in an awkward spot because right now Fred is a better player than Scotty. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's another conversation I wanted to have too, which was just because again, like I'm a Raptor fan. This is the Raptor show. When I watch these playoffs, I'm like, this is cool. But what does it mean in the context of the Raptors and sort of like how do these sort of lessons and how do they build their teams and how does that apply to the Raptors, right? So the other thing to me, I, I'm that is not like a novel thing. I just think that it's just been highlighted quite a bit in this year's playoffs. Is um, can you? 
rely on small guards to be stars for you in the playoffs and win a championship that way. Right, because and what been, I mean by this tough. is not yeah. What I mean by this is not like can you have a, a a guard on your team and win the championship, or can you start a guard and win a championship? Like obviously you can do that. I mean like a star player. The way Chris Paul needs to be a star for Phoenix for them to make it all the way to the championship and win the championship. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, like when I'm looking at the four teams that are still left, like the the type of point guards that are in this championship are, are Steph, with who's an alien. Mm-hmm. And Steph is the exception to every rule because he's so good. Mm-hmm. Like literally, he's 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 too good to be included in this conversation. That's why he's special. He breaks the rules. The other teams they have gritty point guards. Like Brunson is a scoring guard, but plus Brunson plays a supporting role. He plays a supporting role. He's a like if he doesn't score twenty five, the, the Mavs can still win, mm-hmm. right? Um, Marcus Smart is like the definition of a like a gritty kind of point guard. Mm-hmm. Kind of like supporting guy sets the table for you. You don't need him to score. If he does score, you're probably going to win. And then Kyle Lowry is kind of the same deal for mm-hmm. Miami. Now, of course, Miami's that we got to see if Kyle's healthy or not. That's going to be a big swing factor in the series. But like, what you don't see are like the Trey Youngs mm-hmm. in in the Final Four right now. I know he made it last year. That's a different conversation. Um, you don't see the Kyrie Irving types. You don't see, um. You know, the Darius Garland types, the Lamella Ball types. Like, you know, like that kind of like flashy scoring. Even Chris Paul. Like, Chris Paul is like the one that really made me think about this. It's just like, can you rely on small guards to be your stars deep, deep, deep into the playoffs? Yeah, I think that's and, a really that's a really good question, especially with the Raptors. Because I think we were probably asking that question for all those years when Kyle was, was the lead yeah, guard on this yeah. team with DeMar. And clearly... It wasn't until he took a more supporting role in that 2019 run mm-hmm, yeah. where, you know, the success came. And I, I'm guessing you're asking the same question about Fred now. Yeah. And I think that's valid because if you're talking about the Raptors as a actual contender, you're trying to build a contender, Fred's doing too much on this team right now. Yeah. He's being asked to do too much. And this, by the way, this is a, this is a distinction that needs to be made. And then it's not that Fred needs to do too much because of an ego thing. It's the talent around them right now mm-hmm. is either not there yet or not good enough yet or developed enough yet to the point where Fred can step back. Yeah, I've always said, you know, for this the team to be The issue is Fred needs more talent around He Fred. needs more talent. And, you know, the ideal scenario is, honestly, he plays 32 minutes. He plays 32 minutes. I mean, if we're going to continue the Kyle Lowry <laughs> comparison, like Kyle eventually became like, like, okay, in that championship team, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Like Kawhi was clear cut number one. A distant number two would probably be Pascal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kyle was kind of like a third option. Yeah. Like, Kyle wasn't yeah. even scoring like big scoring numbers. Like, he would be opportunistically score. He would be opportunistic. Yeah. But and it you, wasn't like we give him like no. 10 pick and rolls in a row, except for game six of the finals, by the way, which was awesome. Right. But like yeah. outside of that, like how many like scoring, you know, explosions can you point to for Kyle? Like even if you look at the game seven against the Sixers, he mm. did a lot of great things on the defensive end, right? Yeah, it was it like was him taking no charges, scoring. him coming in for an offensive rebound, right, right. setting guys up. And, and Fred can do that, right? Fred's a yeah. great defensive player. Yeah. And here's the thing. You play him 38 minutes a game this season, mm-hmm. and you're able, you have to do that, like you mentioned, because of the talent, the lack of talent on this team. And you exhaust all his minutes and his usage in the middle of the season to get yourself into a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. But then you have nothing left. He had nothing left in the playoffs. He wasn't even playing by the end of the first round. Yeah. Right? So the yeah, that's the first situation. round. Yeah. Like, we're talking about winning four rounds. But that's like, what yeah. I'm saying. It's like Nick, yeah. Nick's, Nick Nurse math was like, try to keep him in the high, high 30s. 
He wants to lower his minutes to 35. Like mm. in an ideal scenario, Fred plays like 30 to 32 minutes. Yeah, and but I also think that like the the role in what you need these guys in, like that's the thing where I'm actually pretty confident Fred has the skill set to be a championship winning guard. Not only because he's literally already done it, mm-hmm. but like he has the exact skill set you need. You need him to really be able to defend. You need mm-hmm. to be super disruptive defensively. You need to set the table for you offensively. That part could probably still improve a little bit more, mm-hmm. but like he can definitely, you can't tell me like Marcus Smart's a better playmaker than, than Fred Evely. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're already good enough at that point. Uh, and he can definitely shoot the ball extremely well. And he'd be a, a safe ball handler as well for you. Like, those are all good things. I think the one thing that's lacking is he can't be like the, like, you think about the, the guards who have, like, forget even winning the championship. Small guards who are the number one guys on their team who have led their teams to the championship, into the into the championship. It's basically like Steph, AI, and, like, Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, it's a very short list. And that's going back to, like, the 80s. Mm-hmm. Was that the 80s? Again, I wasn't here for this. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all blending in for me at this point. <laughs> yeah, but, like, th- that's that's how far back. And But, like, you have to be that special. And obviously, we know Fred's not on that level, right? But... um. Can he play that supporting role in a championship team? Absolutely. For sure. And, he, and, he, and he, that's he, the part that I actually feel good about. But then my other question is then, okay, if you can't if you can't serve as, as that like championship star, mm-hmm. one or two, right? Then you have to question like how much of the cap do you commit to this kind of piece? Because you do need to save enough room to, to add and facilitate all the other pieces. Like Marcus Smart doesn't get paid the max. Marcus Smart gets paid like 15, 16. Mm-hmm. You know, um, no. I think by the time Fred's contract, you know, the next time he's negotiating, I think he he has an option after next season, right? Yeah. To 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 opt out of this one, like, you know, with OG, you know, due for a big extension next time he's up, you know, whatever you want to do with Gary. I mean, I mean, due. I mean, I mean, he's got to like do it first. Yeah. I get otherwise, it. he's getting the same contract. But all, but all I'm saying yeah. is like, you know, Scotty's gonna be on a pretty good contract for a little bit. Yeah. You know, Pascal is signed to what he is. Yeah. Um, and that number is not coming down, by the way. No. Yeah. So, like, you know, to, to pay Fred the same amount next time around is going to be tough. No, I don't think I don't think 20 is going to be tough. I just don't think, like, you can pay, like, the max. No. No, 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 no. You can't. And, and, like, but, but I also don't think the max is coming. But the other actually. thing, too, is, like, Fred's, like, such an outlier on the, on the way this roster is built, right? Yeah. Like, he really is the outlier. And, you know, you listen to him aside talk, and he's like, yeah, he is an outlier, but he also has, you know, all the intangibles. You know, Masai listed them off. Mm. So there's clearly value there. And I do see the benefit of that. And I do think Fred is like weirdly undervalued now, especially oh, by the fan base. Is. Coming yeah. off yeah. especially coming off the way the season ended. Mm-hmm. I feel like we forgot how much he did in the first half of the season. Yeah. No, trust me. And I'm you know, I, you can go back to this over and over again, but the first reports of him having any issues with his knees mm-hmm. was late in January. Up until that point, he had played 51 out of an available 54 games. And he was leading the league in minutes. The three games he missed, two were COVID. And one was he hurt his groin after the big balls. Down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> leading to Goran Dragic's last game. Yes. Uh, leading to one of three losses against Detroit. But seriously, at that point, he had played 51 of 54 games. Was leading the league in minutes. Was mm-hmm. averaging 22 points, like eight assists, five rebounds. Shooting like 40% from three. True shooting was like close to this. Almost sixty, yeah, and had it was leading the league in deflections and was was just incredible, yeah, right. Um, but again, like the thing is, like, can you get that in from him in the playoffs? Because the, the thing with small guards to me is like, I keep watching this, right? Like, mm-hmm. you look at a guy like Luca, right? Um, he's going to come into every game. He's going to methodically seek out mismatches that he can attack. So the two mismatches he wanted was I want Aiden, the center, and I want Chris Paul, the point guard. Everyone else. 
I'm sure Luca could score on them. Mm-hmm. Sure, if he needed to, he could. Right? We see him. But he was hunting for those. He was those hunting two. for those specific matchups. Yeah. And why is that? Right? Number one against Aiden, everyone knows now the center has been exposed year after year after year now in mm-hmm. the playoffs. Right? They get played off the floor, all this other stuff. Um, you saw like Aiden didn't have the foot speed to contest Luca. Right? Luca was hitting all sorts of jumpers over him. Well, Chris, it was just like he just take him into the post and, Chris and back is too him small. down. Chris He's is just too, too small. small. And that's the hard thing with was with, with the small guards is that like a you're probably gonna get picked on defensively. Mm-hmm. Like B, when you are expected to score like a star, facilitate like a star, and but you're a small guard. First off, can you impact the paint even though they're sending help towards you and even contesting you? Because you're gonna have to really make up a big physicality gap and a, and a size gap there. And the second thing is, it's also a little bit too easy to just like trap a star, trap a guard. Mm-hmm. You can just like blitz them very hard, force them to move the ball, and at that point, you really need a good three point shooting around you to do that. And so, to me, it's like those are the things that if you can draw, if you can overcome these drawbacks um and still play as a star i mean like you got to be real special you got to be like a like a jaw level kind of player or like an ai level player or even steph who i don't i don't even understand how steph <laughs> does what he does but he he does it so. no but like you said like he's yeah. an outlier but i do think there is a role for fred on this team yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for when they contend but the the big thing you already called it out is like that the talent just has to be better mm-hmm. yeah, and for sure. you know sure. the 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 offense and then just the overall team like usage has to shift towards guys like Scotty. Mm-hmm. Like they just have to manage Fred. That's yeah. really all they need to do. Yeah. We've seen them do things in the playoffs. Like it's not like we yeah, haven't yeah. seen it. That's the thing. I, I'm not, again, like I'm not saying small guards cannot contribute yeah. in the playoffs. That's a totally different conversation than saying small guards cannot win the championship no, but, as but like the it's, number one. It's about, or like the, star, it's about star the role level. that you put them in. Exactly. It's about the role. Because we saw that you put literally them in. Kyle and Fred. And also that was a matchup thing too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, in any case, uh, we're going to take a quick break right here. When we come back, we're probably going to pile on to more slander for Chris Paul and uh, the uh, Phoenix Suns and also hear from uh, podcast favorite Patrick Beverly. Because I think you and I are both in agreement that we're, we're, we're I, I like Pat Beth. Yo, anybody who wakes up at 6 a.m. to hate, <laughs> yeah, you just have to respect it. Yeah. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. I'm your host, William Liu, and you've been listening to The Raptors Show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptors show on Sportsnet 590. The Fan. I'm your host, William Liu. I continue to be joined by producer and co-host, Alex Wong. So as uh, promised, we'll cover the other Game 7 that took place yesterday. And uh, yeah, first off, congrats to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, incredible showing. Luka was sensational. Uh, only person I've seen uh, smile after more jumpers this year was Gary Trent Jr. No, no, no. So that's wrong. What? Because Gary smiles before oh, jumpers. Okay, right? yeah. Because so, so, right, right, right. Gary, Gary will smile whether he uh, makes or misses. We got to have Gary on the program again. In the in the in, in some time in the future, um, to ask him about why he does it. Yeah, because if you've noticed Gary Trent Jr. shoot, well, honestly, the more noticeable thing is if you watch him during warmups, because mm-hmm. he's obviously shooting which, nonstop, which you do every game. Yes, and uh, every, before every shot, he grimaces. Yeah, or oh. he cheeses. Actually, that's the best way to. Yeah, Luca, on the other hand, will uh, you know cross you up. Step back, hit that three. Yo, the way Cam Johnson <laughs> just like fell over and laid there. Yeah, man. Oh man. 
Honestly, you gotta stop playing sports, man. Who would have said no if they just ended the game there? He's got to become an accountant. Anyways, the like, Suns like had civilian job. The Suns had twenty-seven first-half points, mm. fewest in NBA history by home team in a game seven. Mm. Thirty-point deficit of the half, also the largest game seven halftime deficit. Luca had single-handedly. He tied them in the first tied half. Tied them twenty-seven points, and I man. was just fascinated. I was just staring at the score because I was seeing scores that I had never seen before. Yeah. So my two favorites were uh, sixty-four to twenty-seven, I believe, at one point. <laughs> and then in the fourth quarter, I saw a one fourteen to sixty-eight. <laughs> I have never seen those combinations before. Yeah. Like in any game. I mean, like okay, so there was that Grizzlies game where they kind of sure. randomly smacked sure, up the sure, Warriors, sure. but it didn't feel like this. Like the Warriors are at least scoring; they just weren't doing any no, no, no. thing on defense. No, this bro. is next level. Man. This was a 64 win team. Yeah. Right. At 27 home. points at half. At home in a game seven. And I know yeah. afterwards everybody wanted to be like, oh, you're like, what actually happened? Like something must have happened yeah, sure. in addition to what happened. And it's like, no, you know, I think the Mavericks just came out. And once Lucas started dominating, you could mm. tell that Phoenix was just pressing. Yeah, they were pressing and that the was whole it. time. Yeah. And that was it. No, it reminded me a lot of like some of those LeBron years where it's like LeBron would come out, mm-hmm. destroy everything you had, and then you're just like, uh, I guess we'll run this little pick and roll here with Damar and JV. And it's like, you're not doing anything, man. You're done. No, they, done. Were, they were posting up Bismack Biombo. Yeah, well, that, that speaks to Chris Paul, who I, um, there's got to be some sort of injury thing. He, with he him. said when he left the arena that he was dealing with a quad injury. He told he told a oh brother. He told ESPN I think, <laughs> again. Yeah. Okay, well, listen. But um, he, no, okay, I get it. I get I get the piling on of Chris Paul, especially because it seems like every time he has a bad series, you find out about an injury after, right? Every, it's it's clockwork. It's yeah, like, but for me, it's not an excuse. It just speaks to his durability, and it goes back to what you said about small guards. Like no. he just gets worn down. We sometimes seen him. you just get beat. Sometimes you don't have anything. That's what it looked like. Sure. Chris Paul had nothing. There was plays in the first half where he would run a pick and roll with Javale, mm-hmm. and then instead of Chris attacking that 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 scenario, he would just give up the easy the quick pass to Javale, even though there was no double team, no pressure on him. He was just like, "Yo, here, Javale, do something with the ball." That's not Javale's role. Javale's role, everyone knows, is to roll hard to the rim. If the guard is able to get downhill, force a two on scenario, throw up the lob dunk it, or otherwise get the offensive rebound. Yeah, and you lead, don't throw him yeah. the ball to get him to do something. And then, later in that same half, with the Suns stuck on 20-some-odd points for the whole quarter, was like, oh, Bismack Biombo. They posted up Bismack Biombo. You know how the levels of finished you gotta be to be saying, here, Biz, get the ball in the post and do something for us? Like Even the 2016 Raptors were not saying that. Yeah, I'm with you, man. But I was, so. I, I was shocked by that result, though. I was just yeah, shocked Me too. Yeah. by the way that happened. And I'm still kind of processing it because once you zoom out now, you know, th- that's what this 2022 Phoenix Suns team is going to be forever remembered by. Because yeah. they're one of two teams, I believe, with 64 plus wins. Um, the other one was the Mavericks team that lost yes. to the We Believe Warriors yeah. in the first round to not make it to at least the conference finals. And coming into the playoffs, like I had Phoenix cruising mm-hmm. to the finals. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was really fun to see when Phoenix was was rolling because it felt like every single player on that team was just shooting lights out from three mm-hmm. or from mid-range. Like, mm-hmm. there were some games in this playoffs where I was like, I don't understand how this team works. How do you just make every jumper? Towards the end, though, they literally couldn't make any jumpers. It was pretty funny to watch. And, um, yeah, you got to give Dallas a lot of credit defensively. I think they did a really great job with it. Um, and, yeah. No, you, you want to talk Chris Paul is really fun because... Um, I know Assad asked this on the timeline. Um, was you know, was this is this the worst like playoff performance you've ever seen from a team? And I was like, this is not even the worst playoff 
performance in a game involving Chris Paul. Yeah, because you pulled up an old New Orleans Hornets game. Right? Yes, which obviously there were, you know, that team, you can't say that you had a lot of help on that team. He was going up against a really, really good version of the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and there was a great Kobe versus Melo uh, uh, battle in 2009. Uh, Lakers eventually won, and I think won the championship that year. Um, but... Yeah, the I think the final score was one twenty one to sixty three. <laughs> oh man, it's another score I've never heard of. One twenty one to sixty three. Chris Paul had six points, two of seven uh. shooting, six turnovers, played thirty six minutes. Yeah, every generation is going to have a few of these players, and uh, Chris Paul is in the yeah. in that kind of James but Harden category. That's that, that's the thing too. It's just like okay, again, going back to the small guards conversation. It's like okay. You can expect the small guards to like really give you some really good games along the line, but then eventually, like, not only are going to physically wear down, but then you know you look at it on, on the balance of it. Do you really want to pay forty million dollars to Chris Paul now? Yeah, it's funny. Like, you, of course, regular season is totally worth it. Mm-hmm. In a playoff setting, if your ambitions are to win the championship, yep, and not just win the season at large, I don't know. You you have to allocate your money differently. Yeah, but the thing is, like, Devin Booker was terrible the last two games of this series. But he's getting blitzed because no one else can do anything. DeAndre Ayton played, like, 17 minutes, and Monty Williams later <laughs> after said, seven foot. <laughs> he said it, it, it was an internal issue is the reason why he didn't play more minutes. He's heading to restricted free agency. I get it, though. But, I mean, yeah. Chris was just coming off 14 of 14 in a closeout game in the first round. Yeah. He was staring down Luka and clowning him, laughing at him with Devin Booker after the Game 2 win. Don't do that, man. What are you doing? And it's embarrassing, bro. Chris didn't play a good game after Game 2. He fell off He fell off a cliff. He really cliffed Yo, Paul. He literally turned 37, and it was over for him. Yeah. Man. Scary. Scary hours when you're 37. Damn. That's what I got to look forward to? <laughs> but yeah. 10 years um, from now? <laughs> it's, it's really interesting because I think that's it for the, you know, for the contending window for Phoenix. Like, in terms of winning a championship. Yeah, I mean, I think they hit a ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good two-year run, though. I mean, yeah, aside they, from yesterday, there were two wins away from winning the championship. Mm-hmm. They were up two nothing. One of five times, Chris Paul was up two five nothing. Times. Here's and the, lost. Uh, yeah. Here's the thing. I, I think yeah. there are times you can point to Chris having these terrible games mm-hmm. when when teams when you know his team has, has needed it. But like, it also blends into a lot of like, I don't know what you want to call it, man. Bad luck or just running into these teams. Like you know that Houston game, the Josh Smith Corey Brewer game. Like what? You're gonna blame that all on Chris Paul? Like, are you blaming all, like, when they were down 3-2, when they, when KD got hurt that one year, and, and you know, James Harden laid a couple eggs, and they ended up losing in six? Like, that was the year that the Warriors made the finals to play the Raptors, mm-hmm. right? Like, some of it is injury and performance, but, like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't care to defend Chris Paul, but it's just, like, I, this is just part of the culture now. Every time a team loses or a player loses, like, yeah. you do have to have this referendum mm-hmm. on their entire career. And... We gotta have other players. Oh my god! Slandering them live on air. So um, yeah, Patrick Beverly is the star of today. Went on ESPN as you mentioned, set an alarm for like four thirty. Got up early, got into the the New York studios at ESPN. <laughs> uh, was on first. Was on, was on no, get up. On. Then on first take. You know, up? you know, because it's Asian Heritage Month. It actually started with a tweet from Jeremy Lin yesterday. Did you see this? No, what happened? So Jeremy, during the game, as as the game was already out of reach, tweeted that he hopes that one time, you know, one day Chris Paul can win a championship because he deserves it. Chris is going to have to take the Jeremy role in winning that championship. And Patrick Beverly replied and said, why? Like, why does he deserve it more than anyone else? Mm. And that really started it. And I think that's when ESPN placed the call. And it was like, hey, Pat Bev, you got more to say? And uh, he definitely did. Uh, We could actually do a full, we could have done a full hour of clips today. 
Like everybody should really just. I think go Patrick check Beverly might have done three hours of Snyder Pod on Chris Paul <laughs> for the first time in like two years. I went to the ESPN YouTube page and like watched yes. every clip. Yeah, your your, um, your algorithms are going to be <laughs> ruined forever. By the way, so we we only have a couple of clips here, but here's a clip of Patrick Beverly talking about the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> We're not having a conversation about why Phoenix lost in, in theory. We're having a conversation about why they were down by 46 points. Scared. 30 at the half. They were scared. So now that's where, what are you saying to that? Basketball player, you can see it in the eyes. They were scared. It ain't about Luka taking his soul. They knew starting the game what was going to happen. He's done it before. They watch, trust me. They have yeah. iPhones. They have Instagram. They see the numbers of Luka Doncic averaging 39. They hear me saying, man, he did it to me. He did it to me, Kawhi and Paul George. I'm damn sure you going to do it to them. They know that. Boy, scared of Luka. Ain't nobody afraid of anybody over there in Phoenix, man. Everybody in the league knows that, bro. Like, it's just that y'all don't know that because y'all not in the locker room. No one's afraid of Phoenix. We wanted them. We wanted them. No one's afraid of Phoenix. Yeah. I, I talked to some teammates. I ain't going to say who because I'm going to say who. Forget it. I talked <laughs> to Paul George last night, man. <laughs> man ain't nobody part. scared of them. But you face Dallas. You ain't scared of Dallas, but, man, you, you scared Luka. Hey, man, you got to get your, get your game right when you play Luka. I'm just being honest. Right. <laughs> Paul George is like, please, man. Those are private text conversations. Yeah. Hey, by the way, um, you know, okay, so I, I, look, I, I understand Patrick Beverly's mission here was to slander Chris Paul. I have only thing I will say in Chris Paul's defense, this man scored 41 points in an elimination game to beat the Clippers last year with Patrick Beverly on that side. Yeah, when Patrick Beverly shoved him. Remember the dirty play when he shoved yeah, him in the yeah, back yeah. when they were walking towards a timeout? Yeah. I just feel like that context has to be added there. But it I, definitely in, in, does. in this situation, though, but yeah, Patrick Beverly won. He didn't even play the game and he won. He said that CP, he went on to say that CP is, is a cone on defense. So, and, and he, he's like, he's like, you guys got to give him the Ben Simmons treatment. He was just saying all kinds no, of No, you stuff. know what, though? I actually don't. That's the part I do agree with. Because if this is the game, and the game is if you lose as a star player, especially if the, if the star player doesn't play well, they get slandered. Ben Simmons got slandered nonstop. James Harden got, got slandered very recently. Yeah, nonstop. by fans, but but Paul I think, George got slandered nonstop. Yeah, fe- fellow players so is where, different. Where was that for Chris Paul? Why does Chris always skate on this? Chris doesn't skate. He gets criticism every year. But there's also the pushback of like, you know, he's still the point god though, and there was injuries and this and this. And this. I don't want to hear it, man. I'm with I'm with Patrick, Patrick Beverly on this. Just slander him. Just you know what this is? No other no other star do you slander them with context. Just slander is just slander. You you do it, you take it, and then you move on. I think that's for fans, though. It's different. Okay, here's the thing. You know the NBA is like a fraternity like that. And it's a, mm-hmm. it's rare for guys like a Pat Bev, who, you know, who doesn't run in those circles, like Banana Boat, you know, LeBron, all these guys. Like, yeah. you don't see a lot of guys in the NBA coming out and saying those things. Like, you could probably only name, like, off one hand. I would say Pat Bev. I would say Draymond. And I'm already kind of running out of guys. Like, guys who would just come out and say these things about other players. But don't you wish there were more? Well, I mean, we got Joel Embiid, who only says it to his own teammates. <laughs> 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 which is which is its own class. Oh man! No, but you I don't see, know. But, the, the self slander. Yeah, but you can't name anyone else because because it's a fraternity uh, and there's a, yeah. there's just this respect, right? I mean, I would put James Harden on there too. Remember James Harden saying yep. that Giannis has no skill. Yep. Right. So oh, by the way, this team has to be coached by Doc Rivers, <laughs> who also specializes in slandering his own team. Yeah, but for me, oh, it's like man. let's go. Let's yeah, all NBA first team all slander. Yeah. So we got Pat Bev, we got Draymond. Yep. Joel Embiid, yep. James Harden. Yep. So it's coached by Doc Rivers, and we yeah. need one more player. Man. We'll find it. I, Jimmy? Yeah, Yeah. okay, we'll put Jimmy there for now. So ba- yeah, 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 we'll put Jimmy there for yeah. now. But it's hard to that's think of. That's a good of, team, by the way. Yeah, that's <laughs> that a pretty good team. Win, that, that team might win a championship. That's a pretty good team. <laughs>
But I mean, Pat Bev uh, has been doing it forever, right? With with, yeah. with Dame Lillard, like, you know, with all these guys. Like, he's, yeah, he's yeah. gone up against LeBron and talked a lot of trash. Yeah, right? And, and you know what? Like, I mean, it's easy to look back now because the Suns lost by, like, whatever, however many points in Game 7. But they did talk a lot of trash, not only in this series, but the last mm, two years. Right, like, right. we joke about the Jay Crowder salsa dancing. Like, he salsa dance after that first round. Yeah. And there was, I mean, even this series alone, Luke, um, you know, them laughing at Luca. After game yeah, two, come on. and then Booker falling to the floor and saying he was he was doing a Lucas special because he was just flopping on the ground. Come on, man! You know, I don't mind the trash talking. You got to back it up, though. They, I mean, they were backing up at the time when they were up to nothing, but then they lost four or five. No, no, not even four or five. Bro. Yesterday was really that's yeah, the that, worst. That, you know, that's the worst was, game seven. Yesterday was two losses. That's the worst game seven I've ever seen from a home team. Like I'm sure people can go back and find an, another game. Honestly, that might be yeah. But you talk about the records. 27 points was a record in the first half. Trailing by 30 points was a record yep. in the first half. Yep. And you didn't even need ESPN stats and info to tell you that. Like, I've never seen a game seven like this. Yeah, fair enough. They got straight ran off the floor. And I don't know if you saw the clip. There's a, uh, the Suns posted like a one minute clip of them, the Suns pregame, all the players just like dancing and posing backstage for like an hour. It was like that Kevin Durant dance in the no, 2019 no, 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 please don't bring that up, man. I need to keep this going. By the way, the, the the lesson learned here is don't post any of those post game uh, yeah, po workouts after wins. No, no, no. The problem is like remember during the season they, the Sixers had posted James Harden running the stairs mm. at the Wells Fargo Center, and I think that's when. His By the way, you're literally in out. Philadelphia. Why don't you just go run the Rocky yeah. steps? It's like very basic. Anyway, whatever. Anyway. And the Suns and the Suns posted a clip of like Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton working out after a win during the regular season. They're just like lifting weights outside the locker room. That's yeah, just that, all, yeah. I don't know, man. It's the social media age. Like you mentioned, like every player, every team that loses, like everything's going to get dug up, right? Yeah. Like everything's going to get dug up, but like, man, man. Yeah, I'm still processing that Phoenix one. Um, you know, what we're still yet to process is the fact that we have an ongoing bet on the conference. <laughs> yeah, which, which I keep extending. On, on playoff picks. Yes, yes. So yes, we, yes. through the first and second rounds, we have been picking series and results. And uh, through the first round, I was up 4-3. You were up 4-3. We didn't, we didn't uh, include the Raptors Sixers series because we yes. both had Raptors in seven. Yeah. So in the second round, we continued. So we're playing. I still want a Leafs jersey, um, even though the Leafs season is over. Yeah. Okay. You're playing for an SVP. It might be on discount now. Yeah, you're playing for an SVP uh, gift card where everything is on discount. Yeah. So we <laughs> actually get it for you. We tied 2-2 in the second round. So I had the Warriors in six. You had the Warriors in five. Mm -hmm. So I got that one. I had the Heat in six. You had the Heat in five. So yep. I got that one. You, I had the Bucks in seven. You had the Celtics in seven. So you took that yesterday. Yep. We both took the Suns. I had the Suns in six. You had the Suns in seven. So, so I guess closer. technically you win. <laughs> so you're still up one on me. So yeah. it's six, five. Yeah. So let's go okay. to the conference finals. I'll give you the first pick. So Man. you can pick either of these series. Heat versus Celtics. Warriors versus Mavs. I'm going to go with Celtics in six. Celtics in six. Okay. I'm going to take the Heat in seven. Okay. I just I just don't nice. want to root for Boston. I have no rationale. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. Press me. I'm rooting hard for the Miami Heat as well. Um, and then second round, you get you get your first pick. I'm gonna take the Mavs in six. The Mavs. Yeah, taking Dallas. Dallas, Miami. Man, another finals I, between those two franchises. That would be fun. That's my ideal outcome. Um, I really believe in Luca like that right now. Honestly, their supporting cast is playing so well too. And you know what? They're a very well coached team right now. You know what, man? Give me Warriors in seven. Okay. Yeah. I like this. Give me Warriors in seven. Like Mostly, I'm, I'm trying to guard against 
what could potentially happen. I guess I could take Dallas in seven and still yeah, but I, against, but no. I, I don't I'll think Dallas can win that road game if it, if it's a road game at Chase Center. But I don't know. They just Actually, Luka can do whatever, man. Luka's yeah. honestly like... But no, nothing phases the man. All he's... He's laughing down, yo. Know, it, it it's literally the scene from the Joker, like the the Heath Ledger one, where he's walking from the hospital and like a thing explodes. Like that's that's Luca at that uh, uh, footprint. <laughs> yeah, what, what's by, the what's the arena called? But yeah, I think it's like footprints. By the way, all the arena names are terrible now. Yeah, the Heat Arena, I think, is like RTX Arena or something. It's like a random stock symbol. Right. Like yeah, we've lost we've lost the really good names. I mean, yeah. Crypto.com Arena. Yeah. That's looking tough. Yes. So much worse than Staples. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. No, it's going to be... The conference finals are going to be fun, though. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about this. As long as anyone uh, but Boston wins it all. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, I, I would say, if you had to say in your in your heart of hearts, who's the real favorite right now to win the championship as it currently stands, would it not be Boston? I'm going to go with Dallas because they got the best, the best player, player left. left standing. Okay. And after what he did to Phoenix, I got to believe in that. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. But I mean, like, I mean, listen, I know the Warriors have looked very sloppy and many, many times mm-hmm. so far, but I don't know, man. Top oh. gear for the Warriors is still super You're scary. You're still going back with that championship DNA type stuff. I'm not down with that bit, stuff. Man. And plus they have experience playing like, essentially Luka right now is playing an old LeBron role. Like yeah. 2018 LeBron. That's what, that's that's what why I think is right this now. is. I think this is LeBron yeah. against the Detroit Pistons. I think, I think this is okay. when LeBron got through the Detroit Pistons. I, I, think, I really think Luka's going to do it. Anyways... To everybody coming to the live event tonight, we can't wait to see you. It's Seriously, be fun. doors open at seven. Come get some food there. Come get some drinks. Yeah, only come really if you time. bought tickets though, because it's yeah, in full capacity. Yeah, don't come. But yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll do it again next time. But that does it for us today. I'm your host Will Lou, and you've been listening to the Raptor Show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe, and please rate and review our show. Reminder: We're back to streaming live. In addition to on the radio, we're also going to be on Sportsnet 360 and also on the YouTube stream, so you can catch us live between. 2 and 3 p.m. Monday to Friday. Thanks again to my producer and co-host Alex Wong and to our board producer, Derek Brandeo, and I'll talk to you soon.